this woman to watch movies, and do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jason, and joining me here in the studio, giving off a real will-they-won't-they vibe with the local video store mannequin, it's my wife, Courtney. Hello, everybody. Well, I won't die with the store mannequin. I don't know. Courtney, how are you doing? Great. Should we give a little quarantine update? A quarantine update, sure. What have we been doing to pass the time in quarantine? We have been, we ordered a Nintendo Switch. Yep, we were one of the lucky 10 in the country to get one. That we were. So we've been playing a lot, a lot of Mario Kart. Listeners may not know this, but Courtney was a huge Sims head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back in the day. I love the Sims. Roller Coaster Tycoon. Anywhere I could create my own world. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I think so, the most damning is Roller Coaster Tycoon. Nah, that like, one's awesome. One of my good high school friends was obsessed with ro- Roller Coaster Tycoon, so I know exactly what that's all about. It was awesome. You get to create an amusement park. It was awesome. Okay. Shout out to our friend Chris Hodgson for turning us on to Animal Crossing. Yeah. It's something I've heard about. Didn't have a clue what it was for a long time. Saw a lot of great memes on Twitter. Till this week. But we bought Animal Crossing. We really just kind of went on a splurge and our, our real our first Corona purchase, really. Courtney, what do you think of Animal Crossing? Oh my gosh. My absolute dream. I get to create my own world. I quite literally get to create my own land. So yeah, the raccoons tell me what to do. I bring them all sorts of stuff that I find. Do you anticipate you're going to get bored of this? No. Something else that kind of that happened in our journey to find a Nintendo Switch was I was using a website called letgo.com to find anyone in the area that wanted to sell their used Nintendo Switch. And now I have been in a several day long text conversation with someone who was who's clearly trying to scam me into <laughs> buying a non-existent Nintendo Switch. I've just been running out the clock with this guy. Did he text you today? Yeah, he did. Oh my gosh, he's following he he's following up to see if I'm still interested and Wow. So the story so far, just uh, a short version is the Nintendo Switch is allegedly with a driver. So I am texting two different phone numbers, the seller and the driver. Uh, we're trying to coordinate a way for me to download Cash App to pay the driver for gas money for him to bring it directly to me. Even though I keep offering to drive directly to them to pick up the Nintendo Switch and the three games right. that are allegedly with it. Anyway, I'll let you know how that pans out if we end up you know, meeting up. I'm sure... What are their names? Jeff is the seller and Mr. Sam is the driver. <laughs> And they are just getting so frustrated with me and I keep just apologizing and trying to work out the situation with them. And every day they come back trying to figure out a new way to scam me out of 30 bucks. It can't be worth their time to be spending several days for a quick 30 bucks for some gas. But I've spent more time talking with them than most members of my family this week. (laughs) Courtney, what movie are we watching tonight? We are watching I Am Legend. This is the last of our quarantined themed episodes are you kind of sad um no it was fun i'm ready to move on to like happier more interest like a different subject matter not more interesting but just a different subject matter yeah but i do love this movie and i'm excited to watch it okay so you've seen this movie before several times how familiar are you with it i'm pretty familiar i think i am too i saw it a couple times in theaters 
Oh. I saw it tw- at least twice. Why? I don't know. It was, it, was, it was good. I think I rented it in college and watched it by myself. It took me a while to see it. And it was a really great time in the theaters. I remember that. I would have loved to see it in the theaters. Were you aware that it was out when it came out? Uh, yeah. But I didn't start getting into horror and like scary movies. I always had a fascination with them, but I was always too scared, I think. Like in high school. And then I, st- well, The Walking Dead is what like pushed me into like horror. Uh, yeah, I never really thought of this movie as a horror movie. I do remember though, I saw this with my good friend, listener of the podcast, Steve Cannon. Shout out Steve. I remember driving home. Was Steve listening to this podcast? Uh, he's listening to some of them. Oh. I remember driving home after the movie and sitting with him in my car. And I, my, my parents were gone on vacation. I was the only one home. And Steve and I were just sitting in my car. We were just looking. It was nighttime. I am terrified right now. And I didn't realize it till just this second. I had Steve come inside with me because <laughs> I... My parents live in a very old home that was built like a hundred years ago. It's not open concept in any way. And there's a lot of hiding places in there. So Steve walked around with me and with like a bat and we looked in all throughout it before Steve went home. It's adorable. Thanks. You like this movie? I love this movie. You're excited to watch this movie? Yeah, when's, I am. When's the last time you saw it? It's been a couple years. Do you think you'll like it more or less? I think I'll like it less. The stuff I've watched has like only gotten better if that makes sense like the horror that i watch now i would say is i don't know it it holds up though i would say like the horror that i watch now is scarier and more interesting to me i think i'll probably just pick more holes in it now than when i was 18 yeah i that's that's what i mean do you want a little bit of background i do so this movie was directed by francis lawrence it stars will smith did you know that (laughs) did i know that it stars will smith yeah yeah that's like a big, like, I mean, I've seen the movie. Yeah, I know. It's kind of being facetious, isn't it? Oh. I didn't expect you to get so upset about it. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean did I know it was Will Smith? Did you know it's based on a book? No, I didn't know that. Here he goes. It's based on a book written in 1954. Wow. By Richard Matheson. This book was a huge hit commercially and critically. It was very influential in developing the zombie vampire genre. Some people refer to it as the first modern vampire novel. Vampire? Yeah. Okay. So in the original book, the infected people behaved very differently than they're portrayed in this movie. Okay. They are a lot more like vampires. I'll I'll explain this too, but this movie has been adapted a couple times into movies. Each of them kind of takes some liberties with how the infected people are portrayed. And in this one, they are much more like zombies like the World War Z film zombies where yeah. they're very fast. Some of the similarities are like they are they don't like the sunlight. There's things like that that are like t- holdovers from how they were portrayed in the original book. But in the book, they weren't barbaric, mindless zombies. They were like a society of people, oh. intelligent people, but they, they were essentially vampires. Okay. But they were zombies because they were infected people who came back. But they were like, there was like a mixture between vampires and zombies. Um, It also popularized, (laughs) it also popular, it also made popular the concept of a worldwide apocalypse that was caused by a disease. The book? Yeah. And it was also at the time a fairly original idea to have a scientific origin 
for either vampirism or zombies. Wow, that's so weird now because everything, it's like such a cliche. That's like, that's like. <laughs> they literally, he literally wrote the book on that. hey Very good. Thank Even you. when we were watching Planet of the Apes, the idea that this like disease was caused by someone trying to cure a disease, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that Sci is. Like science-based. Yeah. That is such an old, kind of an overdone concept now, but it was pretty original at the time. And I was thinking about it because I had to take a class on 18th century British literature where we spent some time reading some of the old Gothic literature and they really were just vampires just existed. They just were a thing. I wish I took that though. You don't. I, I do because I took 19th century British lit and mm. it sucked. I could just give you the books you need to read. That's all I learned from it. The teacher was fine. I, I thought he was like charming and he always like made Seinfeld references, but I just thought he asked way too much when he was grading my papers. I was also super checked out by that point. It was my last year and it was my last credit that I needed to get an English minor. And I debated just not even showing up for the final because <laughs> I didn't need the credit to graduate. And I didn't really care if I had an English minor. That's so weird because we took that the exact same time at the exact same place. It was spring 2015. Who needs an English minor? When am I ever going to get to flaunt that? Anyway, the book was very influential. Like I said, it heavily influenced George Romero's 1968 Night of the Living Dead, which is also one of the most influential zombie movies ever made. I've I, never seen that. Uh, I actually watched- I've seen Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Shaun of the oh, Dead okay. is an, that's like one of Edgar Wright's earliest movies. Okay. It's a really popular comedy. But Night of the Living Dead, I actually watched it last October. It was on Hulu. It was a really bad copy of it. But it, like all of the zombie tropes, kind of come from that initial movie and his there's like a, a couple sequels that he did but George Romero is like the guy who created the modern day zombie film okay. and zombie tropes come from like that's that series I don't know if you know this about me I mean we were all really obsessed with the zombies in 2012 that was like a moment for zombies I know there have been a lot but that was a big moment like People don't really write zombie stuff right now. Zombies have kind of played it out in cult, like yeah. pop culture. I used I watched so much that I used to hallucinate zombies at night. Yeah. It happened several times. In mm. the first episode of The Walking Dead and the pilot. I've seen the pilot. Okay, you know how there's that girl and she's kind of like cut in half? Yeah. That is what I hallucinated in the middle of the night one night. Okay. I'm serious. It wasn't a dream. One of our I loved it though. I love zombies. What's like a what's like a who's having a moment now in horror? Horror? Stephen King maybe? Yeah. Mike Flanagan? Kind of like a throwback to 80s yeah. style horror. Yeah. I don't know enough about horror to really <sighs> say. All right, the first adaptation of this movie, 1964 is The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. It was also adapted in 1971 with Charlton Heston in The Omega Man. Which I've seen. Charlton which, Heston, huh? Yep. Keeps popping up. Both deviated from the novel in their own way, but for the most part, especially the Omega Man, it was pretty beat by beat similar. All throughout the nineties, they kept attempting to remake this movie. I guess this is this is also this is weirdly similar to Planet of the Apes, actually, because it's based off a book. The franchise kept trying to be like revived, and they kept trying oh, to do something with yeah. it over time, especially throughout the nineties. So throughout the 90s, they kept trying to remake it or like do another adaptation. A bunch of different actors that they were trying to like pull in, including Tom Cruise, Michael Douglas, Kurt Russell, and Mel Gibson. I don't want any of those. I just want Will Smith. They they got Ridley Scott to like be attached as director. Like he was ready to go. And in 1997, the studio also got Arnold Schwarzenegger on to star as 
Dr. Robert Neville. The Scott Arnold project kind of had like some juice going, but they eventually canceled it. The studio did because of they had some budgetary concerns. They canceled that. Another director came in named Robert Bowman who wanted Nicolas Cage. <sighs> I would have taken that movie. Do you think, would you buy him as like a scientist? Yeah. Okay. That also fell through. And in the early 2000s, Schwarzenegger then switched to become a producer of the project. And he tried getting Michael Bay on to direct. <laughs> And also Will Smith. So they got Will Smith on like pretty early in like the early 2000s. Will Smith approached Gilmer Del Toro to direct. That's who he, that was his own choice for a director. Don't make that joke. What joke? I knew you were about to make it. What joke? It's Guillermo Del Toro, your favorite movie. Oh, that he made your favorite movie, The Shape of Water? Not my favorite movie. Interesting. I could see it in your eyes that that's what was, that's where the conversation was going. Del Toro passed because he wanted to make Hellboy 2. <laughs> You know what? Hellboy 2 is actually pretty good. Yeah. Is Hellboy Josh Brolin? No, it's Ron Perlman. I can't think of what he looks like. He looks like Hellboy. <laughs> anyway, didn't work out with Michael Bay. Del Toro passed, and they eventually got Francis Lawrence, who hadn't really done anything huge. He had directed some music videos. He directed a movie called Constantine, which is a so-so adaptation of a comic book character with Keanu Reeves. He would go on to later direct three of the four Hunger Games movies. Oh. No relation to Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, I got it. Star of the Hunger Games I franchise. I choose not to say her name or think about her ever. <laughs> I know Aaron Barris is listening to this and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. That's who I thought of too. <laughs> the year is 2007. George W. Bush is the president. <laughs> George W. Bush. Sorry. I can't. You just you keep looking at me like you've had it with me tonight. <laughs> I'm loving our quarantine having... together. <laughs> Top song of the year? Rihanna, Umbrella. Yep. Ella, 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 hey, 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 and in my umbrella. If you haven't watched it, everyone go out right now <laughs> and look up the Tom Holland lip sync battle with Zendaya. Some 2007 tidbits to really just. Settle us in to the year. The iPhone debuts this year. Britney Spears shaved her head this year. Wow. The final Harry Potter book released that summer. Not a big deal for you because you hate reading. No, actually, I wanted to do a different joke. Okay. Not a big deal for you because you can't read. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. The, the fall of 2007, the writer's strike happened. And so for about a month, negotiations were happening. I remember it kind of affected everything. Yeah, I it, remember that. I was actually thinking about it. It kind of is not, I mean, not similar at all to what's happening now. But I was thinking, when was the last time something happened industry-wide that just kind of screwed with everything from television to movies to like movies getting made? And it was the writer's strike. Like Interesting, a, yeah. A lot of seasons of television were truncated. They like... Grey's Anatomy, fourth season is so short. The, the Office season four is also very short. Weird. A ton of movies were delayed. Some movies were canceled because they were like greenlit and like momentum was going and then it killed the momentum, the writer's strike. Like there was going to be a sequel to Superman Returns that just got this delay just kind of killed the momentum and ultimately killed the project. The second Daniel Craig Bond movie really sucks because of this because... MGM had the rights to Bond and they they were always kind of like on the verge of bankruptcy. So they were like, 
well, we have to release this movie at the end of 2008 because this is our biggest franchise and we have to make money. Did you say 2008 or 2007? Well, this happened in 07, but the release date for oh, Quantum of Solace was 2008. So they're in the process of like pre-production, but they kind of had like sort of a story, but it hadn't been fleshed out and they were still hoping for the screenwriters to flesh it out, but they still had this deadline to meet. And Daniel Craig has talked about in interviews where he and the director were, were going in and writing scenes and finishing the script. And Daniel Craig is just like, a writer I am not. And it really is kind of a mess of a movie. I kind of don't blame it for being terrible because I guess a structure or a skeleton of a decent story, but the movie makes no sense. It's just, it feels like a collection of scenes that don't flow into the next. It's yeah. really weird. What was the writer's strike about just not being paid enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. Do you think we should watch the movie now? Yeah. So let's go. All right. Welcome back. Courtney, what movie did we just watch? I Am Legend. How'd you like it? It was good. How did it stack up? Uh, mm -hmm. do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. Yeah. The jump scares are the best part of that movie. What scare got you the most? I think it was the one where they're driving to the helicopter and you're not expecting it and the zombie just hits the side of the window. See, that's funny because I, the entire time, thought something was going to happen. Oh, I was not thinking in that mind. I was not in that mindset. It was one of those things where people are having a conversation in a car and the camera is so focused in on their faces so you're not noticing what's around you. They always have like those close-ups when like a car is going to hit you Something okay. always hits you. So the whole time I was like, it would have surprised, it would have shocked me more if nothing had happened. How much did you remember? Okay, so this is what was happening the whole time I was watching it. Okay, I think this is the part where this happens, but I'm not sure if that's another zombie movie. And then I was right every time. I remember this almost perfectly. Yeah. The dog, the aggression, the trap set up. I was like, I think they're setting a trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were. Yeah, they were. I would have to say first half, quite good. Second half, yeah. not as much. Yeah, I would say that too. Also, I just couldn't... We've come so far with CG. There's nothing scary about those animal people except for that they run fast and can hurt you. In retrospect, not a great movie um, visual effects-wise to follow up War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. Even like when it started, when they're chasing the deer and the lions come out, I just was like, oh yeah. When they set the trap for him and then he gets knocked out and he's hanging there. Yeah. There's a shot where it's a shot that's above him looking down at him and he's hanging there and it's when he keeps trying to like get the strength to reach up and cut the wire. Yeah. The composition of him against the ground was all off the entire time. Yeah. He's not actually there. He's over a green screen. Yeah. And I bet at the end of this shot, he's going to cut it and he's going to fall and it's going to cut before he hits, really hits the ground. Yeah, it was weird how that ages. I know. It aged pretty poorly. I remember not being that impressed with it at the time. Oh, I didn't even think about it. Do you want me to tell you a little bit yeah. about the special effects? So originally they were going to be actors wearing like extensive makeup and prosthetics. They should have been. Francis Lawrence... The director felt that they weren't very convincing. And the crew said that they looked like angry mimes. So they apparently didn't oh. look good. So a week into filming, he made the decision to switch them to computer generated. And then they still had the actors or like the stunt people on set doing motion capture. 
the movie starts with another montage. I actually thought this part was pretty effective was when it jumps right to just an empty New York. I think this is the case in the book too because the Charlton Heston movie, it's actually set in LA, but Francis Lawrence wanted it to be set in New York because he wanted to show recognizable locations with nothing in them. Overgrown and... Yeah, to emphasize how empty everything was. The production convinced authorities to close busy areas such as Grand Central Terminal, several blocks of Fifth Avenue and Washington Square Park. Weeds were imported from Florida, put all across locations to make it look like it had been overgrown. Do you think people notice that, who are like big fern heads? <laughs> That's Florida weed. That would never grow They're in like, New York. They're like, no, well that would never happen. The grass stems in New York are a bit thinner actually. They're not as like flat-headed about that. You see how it kind of like breaks open at the end? That's <laughs> That really only happens like closer to the southern hemisphere. <laughs> My dad watching a movie with planes in it. The bridge scene, you know, yes. so like they have like a lot, they have some of the flashbacks. Um, did you know that's Willow Smith? I did. I was going to tell you that. Get out of here. You knew that? I did. How did you know that? You just recognized her? Oh yeah. Cause it looks like Willow Smith. I was going to tell you though, you were not far enough into Ozark. Yeah. But the little boy I'm pretty sure is Wyatt who takes Ruth Charlotte out on the boat. The He's little, Ruth's the little brother, boy that's watching Shrek. Yeah. Really? Do you remember who Wyatt is? Kind of. He's got like long, greasy hair. Yeah, well, I remember the boys that take him out in the boat. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was him. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Got but your eagle eye. They call me eagle eye. Oh, they do. I remember them for saying Ozark. that. For Ozark. They say she's an eagle eye for Ozark. That was so weird when people just at our wedding reception. Been... They're like, you know Ozark. I mean, one person, it's like you just kind of dismiss it, but five people. <laughs> five. All over the age of 45, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Uh, it was too difficult to shut down Times Square, so the hunting scene was all shot, shot on a soundstage. Okay. So that part was fake. Well, when... they could go to Times Square now. Is it all just dead right now? Yeah, there's no one in... Times Square. Oh, weird. I know. They caused a lot of closures of major streets to film there. I'm kind of amazed they were able to like get that agreement. And Will Smith said that, I don't think anyone's going to be able to do that again in New York anytime soon. People were not happy. That's the most middle fingers I've ever gotten in my career. What, uh, what parts of the movie... Got my goat? No. What parts of the movie wouldn't have really meant anything significant when you first watched it, but now in our own quarantine pandemic worldwide crisis type situation... Oh, that's weird. When they're walking in crowds, I always think, can't do that now. I wonder how long that'll stick with me. So when they're walking to the helicopter pad, mm -hmm. there are people covering their mouths with masks. Did you see that? Yeah. But that one's a recent one because we just were told to wear masks when we go out in public. Just the idea of a quarantine in general now. Yeah. I'm just more familiar with what that even means. Well, yeah. And it like, because that's like something that we deal with every day thinking about, our paradigm shifted. And so it's just like, you see the word quarantine and you're like, whoa. But there's definitely a theme that are great quarantine movies. Meddling with science and creating your own doom. Yeah. And just crippling isolation. Which, yeah. <laughs> Which, that didn't happen here with us. It, maybe. What they're telling us. I will say, along, along these lines... We're wearing tin hats. <laughs> uh, this has been a recurring segment, it seems. But asking you, which actors or actresses really surprised you when they showed up? None. Oh, I'll lead you to the answer I'm looking for. Okay. Emma Thompson, at the beginning. Oh, oh. As the doctor who cured cancer and inadvertently yes. killed everyone. yes. Something I think about with coronavirus is thinking about what could come like after we all get quote unquote immune, not that that's going to happen, but like after we've all like gotten it and we you did survive air, it. You did air quotes for way too long, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so 
sorry. I'm like trying to put my thought together. You know how scarlet fever weakens your heart? It's interesting to think about what's coming from that. So it's not, I mean, with this movie, it was like she cured cancer, screwed up the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. But like 10 years from now, everyone's had coronavirus. It's not really a big deal. But suddenly we're seeing a spike in lung cancer, like something like that. Like, that's weird to think. It's very depressing to think about. But, like... Because everyone has, like, herd immunity to coronavirus? Yes. Yeah, maybe. I've heard people talk about that. Like, they just don't know what could happen. Yeah. A lot of unknowns. Let's get back to the happy stuff. <laughs> uh, Will Smith's in this movie. How, how'd he do? I love Will Smith. He's he's great. He I, is. I often think he he's really just one of the most charismatic performers Right? Like, is there anyone who doesn't think yeah. that? Like, I feel like that would be a pretty... That'd be a weird take. It'd be an unpopular take to think that, like, I dislike Will Smith. I thought that when I first saw this, but seeing it again, I mean, he's carrying the movie all by himself. Yeah. Which is very hard to do in a way that's engaging. Yeah. And he's just, he's really, really good mm-hmm. in it. I love his relationship with the German Shepherd as well. I like all the little, it has a bunch of little things in it that you like tell you more about his character and like just how long he's, it like makes you feel like he's really been alone forever. Yeah. Where he's like telling the dog to eat his veg, eat her vegetables. In preparation for the role, he visited um, people who had been in solitary confinement and like former POWs to try to get an understanding of what it would be like to be totally alone prisoners that he spoke to in solitary confinement they told him that the key to surviving solitary confinement is creating a rigid schedule and sticking to it will smith also cited tom hanks's performance in castaway i've never seen that movie an influence really yeah that is another prime quarantine movie. why are people so obsessed with like isolation i feel like there's emotionally there's a lot to like mine from that because it really tests it, well depending on like the scenario it can really test like who a person is and it's relatable because no one wants to be by themselves and so watching someone in that situation i feel like as a viewer you're kind of already captivated because you're like oh what would i do in that situation yeah that's true in times square when they have all of the posters everywhere were you kind of like looking for things like that yeah there's hairspray and different like wicked legally blonde blonde. one of the posters has we both latched onto legally blonde always forget they made a musical about it it's good is it it? no yeah it's really good one of the big posters is has a superman symbol and a bat symbol over it like a batman superman movie yeah this finally got settled for me because i always would swear that i saw this and now i actually was looking for it will smith is driving yep the mannequin his head moves yes it does A mime replaced the mannequin. I love that. Yeah. Hey! Hey! What the hell are you doing out here, Fred? What the the hell are you... No! 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 How did you get out of here? Fred, if you're real, you better tell me right now! If you're real, you better tell me right now! Damn it, Fred! That's great. That spooked the shit out of me the first time I saw that. I did, I did like fully notice it this time. Me too. And some of the mannequins in the video store were also played by real people. Creepy. And if you look closely, apparently you can see some of them move. The movie didn't have a lot of score to it. It was used very minimally to highlight his solitude and just how empty everything was. I noticed that specifically one of the scariest parts is when he has set up the trap. It's nighttime and he has set up the trap on the... The pier. The pier, yeah. They're coming toward him, and you just barely see them, and then you're like, oh, there's lots of them. They're coming. And then you can just kind of hear the little... 
of their feet. Pitter patter. There's, <laughs> there's no music. I did notice that this time. There's no music. It's like terrifying that you can hear them kind of walking and running. It's really scary. They actually do behave more intelligent than I remember them. Yeah, me too. In this movie. I thought they were more mindless, like the zombies in in World War Z. Have you seen oh, that movie? Not. I've only seen it once, and it was probably in like 2012. When I saw that movie in theaters, there was a family in the row behind us. One of them had a baby. And the baby was getting fussy and like getting oh uncomfortable because, you know, it's a loud ass movie. Yeah. The lady got up, went to go to take the baby out, and the baby stopped. So she just stood there with the baby while it cooed. I'm not exaggerating. Four feet away from me. During World War Z. Who takes a baby to World War Z? Dipshits. People in <laughs> Utah. That's who. Jeez. Did you cry in this movie? No. Oh. I cried in theaters when I saw it. You did? Yeah. Which part? Two parts. It's a bit of like a shot and a chaser, honestly. When he has to kill the dog, and then immediately after when he goes to talk to the mannequin. Oh, yeah. That part's really sad. Promise, my friend, I will say hello to you today. Hello. Hello. Please say hello to me. Will Smith is just really good. Like, and man, he is really killing it. He's really good at on-screen crying. Well, because so much of so much of it, I noticed too, was like focused in on his face. Because he's the only for most of the movie, he's the only person on screen. Yeah. And so, so much of it, you have to connect with him like emotionally. So it's a lot of close-ups, and he just does. Man, and you know, I'm not a dog person. I know. I have nothing against dogs. But you love Sam. I just don't want to own a dog. I know. That it always is very sad to me. Yeah. He's really good. In fact, I would actually say the movie takes a turn from being very good at about the part of the pier where he's just bowling over people. Yeah. And then the people show up to save him. Yeah. Once the other two people kind of enter the movie. Goes downhill. I Yeah, it's just the not part, as interesting. The part I did like, though... They really commit to the part where he's quoting Shrek. It starts to be like, oh, this guy's freaking lost it. I would have. Yeah, and I guess that's good because you're trying to show that he is. Well, and you're also, you've also got he's this. He's been in isolation for so long. Yeah, you've got this new perspective that you have to communicate like how they would see him. Mm-hmm. And that's like a good way to do it. He goes on for so long. Hey, you know what other part they really commit to? What? He can do pull-ups. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Whenever they get dogs to do stuff, I'm always really blown away by that. Like, how do you train a dog to do something? Oh, here he goes. (laughs) I've asked the right question. In doing some research for this movie, there was so much dog content. Whoa. Do you want to hear about the Uh, dog? Yeah, I want to hear about the dog. How much content are we talking about? Listen, on the trivia section... In IMDb about this movie, there was so much written about the dog and how he was able to perform the things that he did. Almost like it was written by the lawyers from the studio, expecting that PETA was going to be reading this. Hit me with it. I'm going to tell you so much about what this dog was able to do. Will Smith really liked the dog and wanted to adopt it, and the the, the trainer wouldn't let him. (laughs) The trainer put a piece of tape on the dog's paw. The dog's name is Abby. Yes, I did see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a piece of tape on her paw to make her limp. When she's on the wing of the aircraft, when Neville and is... And she's hanging over. Yeah, and he's hitting the hitting the golf balls. Yeah. That was filmed on an actual airplane with very large wings. 
I like airplane content. The trainer walked the dog up custom-made stairs and put her in a down-stay position on the platform with special traction on top of the wing. The trainer then hit a nearby box where he maintained the, the dog's eye contact and cued it to stay. Several trainers surrounded the area as precaution. <laughs> the trainer walked the dog down the stairs immediately after filming. They made sure to mention that. The dog was like hanging off the, did you notice that? It was like hanging off the wing. Yeah. In the flashback when the dog is a puppy. Yeah. Trainers instructed the actors and actresses how to perform mild action holding the puppy in their arms or laps so it wouldn't upset the dog. Oh, okay. The scene with the puppy inside the vehicle was filmed on an indoor soundstage against a green screen. A trainer was hiding in the back seat. The vehicle never actually moved. I made sure to <laughs> This is a clear. lot. Crew members rocked the vehicle to make it appear as if it was moving. The puppy was accustomed to being held and unfazed by helicopter noises. Between <laughs> takes, she was placed in a heated blanket to keep warm and relaxed. Want some more? I think. When the dog is seen in a moving vehicle, a foam mat covered the car seat for traction, and the dog was tethered to the seat with a waist tie, which was held by a trainer that was hiding in the back seat. Oh my gosh. The backseat trainer would give the dog commands, and a trainer just outside the car door occasionally held out food for the dog to stick its head out. <laughs> High-speed chases were filmed in separate shots without the dog. Is that clear? Yeah. No dog was harmed in the making of this movie. She was never actually in a high-speed chase or jolted around to a sudden stop. For shots in which the car spins around, crew members popped up a special car onto rotating dollies and manually spun it for a short take. The dog, who seemed to enjoy the movement, was secured in the car and held by the trainer. For scenes in which the car simply drives down the street, Will Smith drove slowly and the dog was secured by a waistline attached to a harness and leash held by a backseat trainer. You want some more dog content? I don't know, do I? This is a lot of dog content. Are you learning a lot? Yeah. You can't sue them. <laughs> when Will Smith brings the dog back to his lab and gently sets the dog on the operating table, there were nearby trainers who cued the dog to play dead and keep her head down. Will Smith was well, well rehearsed in handling the dog for a shot when Sam tries... Sam is the dog's name. I know. When the dog tries... Samantha. When Samantha tries to bite Will Smith, a chew toy is placed near the actor's shirt and the dog was cued to get it. Get it is in quotations. Okay. So that's when he reaches up. Mm -hmm. That part I also didn't like. I think the dog looks fine. Oh, because of the digital effects over him? Yeah. Oh, let me get to that. <laughs> oh my gosh. The syringe used on the dog was a protractable prop and the dog was never injected. The dog's red eyes and veins were a digital effect. Sure. In case you were worried about that. I wasn't worried. Do you want two more pieces of dog trivia? Sure. Thought you'd be more excited for dog trivia. I was excited the first half. I just want everyone to be perfectly clear. The dog was having, if not a great time, a perfectly safe time. Okay? It is interesting, though, because I watched in the third John Wick, like, there's dogs that take place that, like, join in in, in like, a fight sequence. Yeah. And I was listening to a podcast with the director who also did a, lot, a bunch of the stunts. He's, like, a stunt he's like a stunt coordinator turned director and, like, friends with Keanu Reeves. And he talked about how he's, like, when you film, when you're making a movie and you see an animal, that animal doesn't know they're in a movie. I know. So when you have to act like ask them to attack someone as a part of an action sequence, they have to like understand that they're playing like there's a lot that goes into it. And actually knowing all this dog information beforehand when I was looking all this up, it almost it kind of made me respect Will Smith a bit more because it would be a lot harder to act and get into like the moment with all this shit around you, like holding a prop toy for the dog to kind of come yeah. at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's like all these other distractions to like keep you out of it. All right, two more dog facts. Okay, only two more. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. When the dog runs on the treadmill. Yeah. This is what you wanted. Uh huh. 
uh, the dog was well rehearsed to run on the treadmill. Trainers got her accustomed to a slow walk and gradually worked their way to a run. The dog was attached to a safety rope held by another trainer, but she was so comfortable with the action, the trainer never needed to use it. Can you mean Great. That? The dog loved making this movie. The dog's like me on a treadmill. The dog was rewarded with treats. Was that your second dog fact? No, oh. that's part of the first one. Oh, that's great. My last dog fact. When Will Smith gives the dog a bath, the dog was accustomed to getting baths, and the water was comfortably warm. The shampoo was a no-tears formula, and traction... Holy shit! And attraction, attraction mat lined the bottom of the tub. The dog was given treats and was thoroughly rinsed and dried between takes. Well, on, like, Tiger King, remember they talk about... they Somebody says, like... You, re- you read about, like, murders in the news and stuff, and everyone forgets about them a couple days later, but then you talk about, like, animal abuse, and people never, oh, yeah. people, like, come after you. They never forget about it. Yeah. Hey, on the air, do you think Carol Baskin killed her first husband? 100%. There's no doubt in my mind. She's shady. She's the worst. Look, they all suck. Oh, yeah. We're not being those people who are just bagging on Carol and everyone else gets a pass, because I... they all are kind of shitty people in different ways. All right. The movie was released December 14th, 2007. It was the largest box office for a non-Christmas film released in December. Oh. Isn't that weird? See, every every now and then there's like a, a scary thriller horror show. In sometimes. December? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know like that. Like Krampus? Oh, well, that, I mean, but that... Oh, it's Christmas, sense. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. There was one at, just last year, too, that's a Christmas movie. It's like about being home for Christmas or something. It's a horror movie. For the movie being shown in IMAX, there weren't any previews, but they just showed the first six minutes of The Dark Knight, which would be coming out that next summer. Do you remember The Dark Knight at all? Uh. Do you remember The Bank Heist? Uh-uh. It's the first time you see the Joker. That They just showed the first six minutes of that entire Bank Heist. This would have been like a month before Heath Ledger died. Weird. I know. I remember they actually released one, like the first trailer, like full trailer, not just a teaser trailer, in December of that year before he had died. He died in January? Mm-hmm. Did he get to see the movie made? No, I don't think so. They would have still been editing it. That's so sad. I know. I really did wanna... he posthumously win an Oscar for that? He did, yeah. Best Supporting Actor. I Am Legend grossed $585 million worldwide. Pretty good success. Got all that dog money back. Yeah. They can take so many more dogs on safe rides with trainers in the back. Yeah. Is Abby still alive? Probably not. I didn't look that up. Chances are Abby's gone. Rotten Tomatoes gave it approval rating of 68%. Ouch. Yeah. What did you think of the ending? Uh, It feels a lot like they needed to end it. And they just kind of wrapped it up in like a neat little bow. It's funny you say that because not only is it very different from the ending in the book, the source material... It's actually a reshot ending. There is an alternate ending. What is it? So the ending in the book portrays, well, first off, the the dark seekers are like smart and intelligent. They speak like they have a kind of their own civilization. The way that the book ends is they basically capture Robert Neville and have a jury and sentence him to death to be executed for the, his crimes against them. The, even the title, I Am Legend, he finally realizes that from the vampire's perspective, he is this terrible creature that keeps kidnapping their people. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah, and like performing these experiments on them. And he is like... He's like what we think a vampire is like, a legend. They give him pills to like... They give him like cyanide pills as part okay. of for his execution. As the pills are taking their effect, he's like, or maybe even amused by the thought that he'll be their new superstition and legend. Interesting. Just as vampires were once that to humans. 
Do you think they didn't do that because it sounds a little hokey? I mean, if you're reading it in a book, it's not. Well, so it. I watched the Charlton Heston version, and they do kind of go that route okay. a little bit more. The original uh, ending to the movie... Is that one scary? No, it's honestly... I guess you haven't seen Planet of the Apes. They're very much in the same vein of like... They're basically like only a couple years removed from each other, but they're just... They feel so like cheap. There's like a charm okay. to it now yeah. where it's like... They have like this like... This like seventies like discoy okay. like track to it. I don't know. No, there's not. They're not like jump scares really at all. Okay. Um, in the director's cut, Will Smith he meets the two other people, the girl and the kid, and the main difference is when the alpha male comes down into the basement. He's like trying to get through the glass to him. He makes a butterfly symbol on the glass, and Will Smith realizes that the female that he captured has a butterfly tattoo. So not the female, not the girl that's with him. That's, yeah, that would have been better. And he realizes that that guy just wants her. He like releases her and gives him back to like the alpha male and then like leaves. And then apparently Will Smith looks around and sees like all those photos of all the people he's like kidnapped and killed basically and kind of like breaks down. And then he realizes like in their eyes, he's their boogeyman. That would have been so much better. I know. They did release, they released that on like the, it's like an extra on the DVD release and all the Blu-ray releases. You can find it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I think I've seen it before because I was curious what the alternate ending was. Yeah. Some people did kind of criticize the very different ending this was where sacrificing himself. And this also, apparently some people kind of criticized like some of the religious aspects of it. Where like he has an argument with her and she's like, God led me here. That really didn't fit. I, I checked out at that part. I was like, maybe because I'd seen it before, but I just, uh, I totally checked out during Well, that. I think, I could be wrong, but I that, that stuff was probably added in after the fact to make the, the new ending make more sense. Yeah. So he huh. actually would have survived in the original cut. It made a lot of money. So there was some talk about doing more. At one point, they wanted to do a prequel and bring Will Smith back to show like would kind have of- Would have loved it. Would you really? Yeah. That's the best part of like a pandemic movie but when you, things are just broken down enough, but like people aren't all dead. But would there, would you, would there be any like, would there be any tension because you knew what was eventually going to, how it's going to end? Yeah. Okay. I mean, most prequels are like that. Well, I feel like that's where some prequels kind of don't do well because especially if they're like following a character and you're watching a prequel of them, you already know where that character ends up, so there's not a lot of tension. I'm not like that, I don't think. But I typically like prequels. Really? I think so. Well, the prequel prequel plan fell through, and then they wanted to do a sequel, um, and we're still trying to get Will Smith back. Not really sure how that would have worked. (laughs) Anyway, it's never happened. I think this works fine as a one-off. I kind of think that would have been milking it a little bit and wouldn't. I prefer a prequel to a sequel in this kind of movie. Yeah. It kind of seems like... A Quiet Place does both, Mm -hmm. which I think that's interesting for a sequel. I just want to see, I like to see like where things came from. Do you like this more than A Quiet Place? No. If you could choose to have a global catastrophe from either zombies, zombies like this movie, aliens like A Quiet Place, or uh, very smart apes, what would you personally, what what would you think you would survive? Probably apes. That's that's your best bet. Yeah, they're Those, intelligent. It's so like you could kind of reason with them. Yeah, we, they do reason with them. I feel like the aliens would be the most deadly. I do too. That would be the most difficult. And also, I was just thinking. You didn't say this, but I was just thinking, if you couldn't make sound, what's even the point? <laughs> what's the point? I gotta play my music. 
How are you going to practice? <laughs> I mean, it'd be good news for your uh, elementary school band of... <laughs> Just kidding. I had an elementary... I had a band in sixth grade. We played air instruments band practice but it was just we would each put together i just told jason about this which is why he brought it up we would have practice which would consist of us playing a song on a radio and we would play air guitar to it how many band members five did you all have different instruments or was it like what instrument did you play a guitar who was lead singer sometimes me would you? It didn't matter. Would you lip sync or actually sing the song? No, we would lip sync. Okay. <laughs> how how often would you have band practice? Every week. Oh, but it was like every week we do it. But it we... was every week, and we each like at the beginning because there was only a beginning. Gave a thought. Sort of. We we assigned each other to put together a little presentation about different bands that were important <laughs> in music. I gave mine on the Beach Boys. <laughs> Were you assigned that or did you take it upon yourself? I took it upon myself. But we were each assigned like a week. <laughs> so we would like play air guitar for like 20 minutes. Did you? How'd you look it up? On the internet. Oh, okay. I Print know. off stuff. Put it in little manila folders. My parents had a shit ton of those. What was like your, what was your style like? I guess so your, what was your music like? <laughs> Who were your influences? Lindsay Lohan and Freaky Friday. <laughs> specific but that's true because <laughs> she's in a band she's in like a garage band have you never seen that i think i have on tv <laughs> did i tell you what the name of the band was no <laughs> misunderstood <laughs> <laughs> but spelled like miss yeah. <laughs> we had a song called smooches and i remember it <gasps> Wait, this this was a misunderstood original? Yeah, we made up one song. One bar to a song. It was a chorus. It went like this. Okay. <clears throat> Smooches to you. <laughs> Smooches to you, baby. <laughs> Smooches to you, baby. Smooches to you, baby. It was just that over and over again. I'm kidding. That was it. I think there was like more, but I can't remember. That's the only part I remember. Smooches to your baby. Smooches to your baby. Smooches to you. Smooches, S M O O C H E Z. Song was called Smooches, a misunderstood original. Man, little kids are so dumb. <laughs> Shout out to Jessica, Randy, Cody, Justine, and myself. What was the most engaging part of the movie for you? Probably when he, um, when Sam runs into the dark place and he runs in together. Okay. Because you're just waiting for something to happen and then it doesn't and doesn't and doesn't until it does. Yeah, that part's pretty good. Yeah. Was that a good explanation? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Least engaging part for you? The part where they're talking about God. Okay. Yeah. I just was like, I don't, mm, this isn't a movie for that. Yeah, there's nothing interesting. And it's like, this is pretty late in the movie to start getting into like yes. this concept. So yeah, that would also be my least engaging part as well. Most engaged was when uh, the dog was dying, that whole sequence. Oh yeah. So not bad. No, not bad. Would you recommend it to someone in quarantine? Yeah, I would. I felt like it was the most fun to watch, probably of all the movies that we've watched. In quarantine, 
100%. Contagion was kind of just like watching our own life unfold. Planet, Planet of the Apes, of the Apes better, was fun, and it was better. They were better movies. They're not a fun watch, no. by any means. They're interesting, though. Yeah, they're really good. This but... one was fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also want to just give some quick shout-outs. These are a bit overdue, but I want to just shout-out two people in particular. Aaron Barris, one of our longest supporters. He's always <laughs> been so kind. He always gives me the best feedback for all, all the episodes that we throw out there. Novels of text. Uh, telling us what he likes, how things we can do better. And it's genuinely fantastic. It's always super helpful. Thank you so much, Aaron. And he shares our podcast all the time. That is true. He so and his nice. wife, Kenan, they yeah. act, they've shared it with people. I love them. Which is, that's quite a thing to go on a limb to share an amateur podcast. <laughs> I know. From a guy from your master's program. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate it. Uh, it is the best. Seriously. <clears throat> Aaron, you're great. Also want to give another shout out to Elliot Morse. Uh, we were going to do a special episode with him and Kenzie. Yeah, before all of this happened. He's also been in contact with us and said some very nice things to us. And he's also, just great. And gave us a review. I was going to say also, he sent us a video on Instagram and asked us to respond back. And we never did. And I'm so sorry. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so this is, our, this is our response to that video. We loved the video. We can't wait to podcast with you. We miss you. And one shout out to Emily who listened to our 500 Days of Summer episode and gave us some great feedback on Instagram. Yeah. Talked about how it reminded her of her time in Logan watching it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. If there's one movie that's going to remind me always of college and Logan, it's 500 Days of Summer. So thanks, Emily. And a final shout out to one of our earliest fans. The only person I don't know personally to follow us on Twitter, Thomas Meehan, also at one point emailed us to give us suggestions. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I, we might do, Pokemon the first movie from his suggestion. Yeah. I noticed on Twitter he has now blocked me. <laughs> You've been saving that information? Just noticed it. I never check our Twitter. And I noticed he sent me a message saying, hey, did you get my email? And I was going to respond. It's like, you can't respond to this person anymore. Oh. I'm like, what? So I clicked on it, blocked me. Oh. And you know what? That's on me. I betrayed his trust and message received. I need to be more responsive and uh, better to our fans. Yes. Or you know what? We're not going to have them. They're going to block us all. Yeah. Where can people find us if they want to reach the podcast? You can find us on Instagram at Wife Watches. You can find us on Twitter at Wife underscore Watches. No, the underscore. Yep. You can email us at MyWifeWatchesMovies at gmail.com. And that's about it. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks. Watch you later. And remember, my name is Robert Neville. I am a survivor living in New York City. I am broadcasting on all AM frequencies. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. If you are out there, if anyone is out there, I can provide food. I can provide shelter. I can provide security. If there's anybody out there, anybody, please. You are not alone. Smooches to you, baby. Smooches to you, baby. Smooches to you, baby. Smooches to you, baby. Smooches to you, baby.